we don't have a lot of control over our outcomes. Our yes, sleep and stress, and I, I like those and I include them in the consistency project, but for the most part, it's diet and exercise, diet and exercise. So then it comes down to what are we doing with diet and exercise to optimize that for our goals. And the less somebody wants to use either of those shovels, the more the other one has to be really dialed tight. Um, and so if somebody's like, I don't really want to weight lift and I don't want to, you know, increase my lean mass. Okay. Well now your diet's going to have to get that more exacting and that more consistent. You don't, you have even less flexibility. Hello everyone. And welcome to the stronger, healthier, happier podcast. We are very excited to have you with us and thrilled to have the opportunity to improve together. We believe that by paying close attention to our mindset, movement, sleep, stress, nutrition, and network, that we can create the life we were intended to live. Here is to a stronger, healthier, happier you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Stronger, Healthier, Happier podcast. Um, This is episode 33, um, and today we have a Awesome new guests on our podcast, uh, EC Sinkowski, everybody. Uh, EC, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Does everybody call you EC? Does anybody call you <laughs> Claire? Yeah, uh, a lot of people call me Eva Claire. Um, my family does. Um, I actually prefer Eva Claire, but somebody kind of nicknamed me EC with kind of sports growing up. And so oh, it kind of cool. stuck with CrossFit. And so here we are at EC. <laughs> How would you like us to refer to you in this podcast? If you remember Eva Claire, do it, but don't stop at Eva. Okay. <laughs> Eva Claire or nothing. Yes. When I originally had reached out to you, I was typing up the message and I, I think I wrote like, hey, EC. And I feel when you don't know somebody and you're calling mm. them by their nickname, it's kind of, but then I went back to your Instagram and it said EC. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's how she wants to be addressed, but we can, uh, maybe Eva Claire means we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're closer than just social media close. That's right. Well, thank you for worrying about it. <laughs> I sound very high maintenance at this point. Your guests. <laughs> and for those of our listeners that, um, don't know about Eva Claire, uh, she is the founder of Optimize Me Nutrition, the creator of the awesome 800 gram challenge. Um, also you're a CrossFit level four coach. Which Correct. Is really um, yeah, been around CrossFit for some time. <laughs> which is probably why we, I think, connect on. We, we obviously love your nutrition content, but I think when somebody is, well, a CrossFit level one, two, three, or four coach, and um, that involved in CrossFit, I think we um, we seem to really vibe with those types of people. I think we perhaps see fitness and nutrition um, as a very important aspect of health, obviously, but also our ways of doing things seem to be um, similar, I suppose. Yeah, totally. So just a quick intro for everybody on kind of how we, um, I guess how we got connected to you was originally through the 800 gram challenge. It was two years ago, I was in the CrossFit New England affiliate immersion program. And I was at CrossFit New England. It was the most amazing two days ever. Um, anybody who can go there, it would be a very, very knowledgeable experience, but for an affiliate owner, it's like just the most amazing two days ever. And we were sitting in their coaches meeting at the time, just kind of taking in everything that they do. And they were chatting about starting nutrition challenge. 
they mentioned the 800 gram challenge. I was trying to keep up because I didn't really understand what was happening. But after the meeting, I was asking some questions and they explained, okay, Eva Claire or EC Sankowski runs this 800 gram challenge that you can sign up for. So I had reached out to my wife, Jen, probably that evening. Mm-hmm. And then we chatted about it when I got home, explaining this 800 gram challenge. And we just instantly fell in love with the the elegance of it, the simplicity of it. Cause we just thought for the first time ever, it's, it, it kind of seems like a nutrition challenge that we could get on board with where it doesn't come across as like, I'm like the super strict nutrition Nazi telling you what not to eat. Um, so that's kind of how we got started. We, we ran the nutrition challenge in our gym. And then ever since we've been following you very closely through, <laughs> not <true>. too closely, <laughs> But, but quite closely through um, just social media and we just absolutely love your messaging. We love your content. And we just, we were just so excited when you said yes to joining us. So my, my first question of the day is why did you say yes to a total stranger <laughs> to join their podcast? Uh, why not? Um, why not? But, you know, I've had a ton of help, a ton of help to help spread my message. And that includes just being on people's podcasts and being part of the community at large. So I'm happy to be on the podcast for sure. Awesome. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, maybe our fan base is growing, but uh, it's a fairly small podcast, but we, um, I think it just speaks to you to, to say yes to us. Cause I, I, I love that you are that passionate about uh, spreading your message. Well, thank you. Um, so why don't we back up a little bit and just talk about how this message uh, nutrition with a reality check. How did this all come to be? Like, how did you get into nutrition? And mm. clearly it became like a passion um, of yours. So walk us through it. Yeah, I, I wish I had a really elegant story of it. Um, you know, you kind of see later in life how some of the pieces of your prior life start fitting together. So I think I'm kind of at one of those crossroads, but I did an undergrad in biochem engineering and a first master's in environmental sciences that had a focus in genetics. So I always had this bio component to my education, did a couple of different careers, worked for CrossFit for over 10 years in various capacities. But that's really when I started thinking about more nutrition kind of seriously, I would say around 2006 is when I started with CrossFit and uh, working with them in different capacities. So that certainly set my nutrition interest forward. Um, You know, I probably went through all of those phases of different extreme diets that many of us went on or have been on or continue to go on. And so I also have this lived experience of eliminating all of the foods and trying the super low carb and being afraid of eating bananas. And and so I kind of had all this experience and I'm teaching and educating people as well on the CrossFit methodology. And then I went on to another master's in nutrition. And part of that was just actually for my role at CrossFit at the time. It was kind of a continuing education thing. I just ended up starting a master's degree. But it was sort of, I think, an interesting way to do it where you kind of had gone through this experiential learning and then kind of came back around to some more formal learning. And so that's sort of then what was like 
kind of help me dispel some of the myths that are out there yeah. um, and kind of take more of this reality check angle. Because at that point, I, like I had said, I'd been through 10 years of doing these extreme trends. <laughs> and so I had the experience that, wow, these don't really stick with me very much. And wow, people don't really seem to be doing these for very long. Or wow, there's lots of populations that aren't following this and are quite healthy. So I had enough time to sort of realize that some of that stuff out there just doesn't make any sense. And then that kind of final education, not final, I'm always learning, right? But, you know, kind of that formal additional education kind of then helps solidify the message a little bit more. Yeah. That's that, awesome. Yeah. I find it fascinating. You are, um, you're a licensed dietitian, certified nutrition specialist. You just mentioned two very sciencey background, um, education pieces there as well. I, I would, it's fair to say you're, you're very educated. You've been through it, like you said, um, formally and informally. It's always amazing to me when I hear people who I would consider extremely smart and well-versed in this area where the, the approach ends up being so simple. So it's like, you know, you do 15 years of education and experience to come back to be like, guys, you're overthinking it. So it's always, because I feel like we, we've, Again, we don't have the same background, but we are, we've, we've almost done it all too. When I first got into CrossFit, it was, it was a little bit of a paleo craze. And uh, for you, it was um, the zone, the zone right out of the CrossFit and level one. Mm-hmm. yeah, and we've, we've kind of been trying to carve, you know, a path for, for our members and the people around us too, to, to get to a point where um, people can, yeah, take control of their nutrition and stop being, I guess, so confused, overwhelmed, and on and off all the time. Your, do you want to speak a little bit about your, I just listened to your, it might've been your last one or the one before um, you guys talked about your three pillars of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I find they are also your 800, your 800 gram challenges kind of in there as well. Can you touch Mm -hmm. on those a bit? Just because I, I found, I find them very clear and very simple um, Mm. to just kind of I guess, help people get started. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, That was the intent of them. So that's good that that came across. But yeah, my co-host, Patrick Cummings, actually, I think described them better. And in hindsight, maybe I would call them the diet constraints, you know, these pillars or these things that we have to do. And I think when people think about my message, they often think about, oh, she's just the basics. And I kind of want to dispel that notion that I'm not just talking about the basics or the first couple things to do. I'm talking about the few things that are going to get you most of the results that you want. And so it's not just like this beginner mentality. It's like, hey, I can get you 90% plus of the results that you want. So this is a lot of people. This isn't just sort of like baby steps, but yeah, the, the three constraints or the pillars that I would want to see in people's diets so that we have adequate quality, adequate amount of protein, and that the total number of calories we eat includes that adequate quality and that adequate protein. And so that's like the theoretical constraints. But then of course the question is, okay, well, how, how am I going to do yeah. this? Right. Well, in theory for adequate quality, we'd actually have to measure how many different micronutrients that you're eating every day. And if you're meeting those standards and that gets a little bit in the weeds and more detailed than people want. So that's where I use my 800 gram, 800 gram challenge, eat 800 grams by weight of fruits and veggies each day and and just say, Hey, you know what? Get lots of different foods in there with that. We're going to cover our micronutrients as best possible. Also fiber, et cetera. Then adequate protein can also help with that quality goal. Because of course, if you're eating whole protein sources, there's going to be some micronutrients in there but then also targeting this protein goal 
I put it at 0.7 grams per pound of body weight or 1.5 grams per kilogram body weight. And that's really for a lot of different goals. It's not just for our CrossFitters. It's for people to prevent sarcopenia. It's for people to maintain muscle mass as they lose weight. So it really hits a lot of different targets for that. And then finally, we need all of the foods that we eat to hit a certain number of calories that we need. And uh, that's going to vary based on a lot of different factors, but there is a certain number of calories that is appropriate for you and your goals. And so we want to make sure that our choices within that, you know, have this adequate quality, have the protein, and then have some room for some fun too. And, and that's, those are really the things that I, the three things I'd want somebody to focus on. And what we find is that if you really do those and not do them in some crazy extreme way of like only doing watermelon or only doing collagen powder or whatever my other example was, you're going to get a really good coverage across uh, the nutrients that you need. And uh, that's, that's really what you have to worry about. And then supplements and timing and BCAAs, all these other concerns just fall away. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I think you kind of referred to this as like your 80, 20 rule, mm. which when, and again, when I was listening to podcasts, my brain went there first, Oh, the 80, 20 rule, the um, 80% is healthy foods, but, but then you explained kind of your 80, 20 rules. Like there's like 20% of things that are going to give you 80% of what you need. I find it like when I, whenever I receive a nutrition question, it's always, it's always one of those like, Hey Zach, what about, yeah. What about this collagen? And I'm like, Oh, I, I think like we can talk about it, but I almost feel like, have you checked out the 800 gram challenge? Like where's our fruits <laughs> and vegetables at? Um, wh why are we so, and I say we, as in just everybody, we've, we seem very drawn to the non-basics. We, we mm -hmm. almost like, there's almost yeah. like this need to complicate, overthink. Yeah. Over-research. Um, yeah. Is it, is it just too much mixed messaging? Why do mm -hmm. we feel, why do I get, you know, I guess I'm assuming you too, a lot of questions that would fall out of maybe the things that actually matter. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Totally. I've certainly believed it myself as well. So yeah. I've fallen for all of it. Um, I do think there is though, we do like learning new things and we do like changing and we do like the feeling of progressing. Right. So the idea that I know everything I need to know <laughs> is a little bit limiting. Now, what's interesting about that is there is a ton to learn in nutrition. I mean, the stuff that I've learned or learned in quotes, I'll have to go back and reread it, you know, X months later, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot all these details about the physiology. Oh my gosh, yeah. this stuff is so complicated. There is plenty to learn in nutrition. And I wish we focused a little bit more on, on noticing, okay, I've learned something more in nutrition. How does that change the application? Because I think what we can do in nutrition is yes, we can continue to progress in our knowledge and get really detailed in terms of the biochemistry, the physiology, but oftentimes our application doesn't change. And I think people get a little bit bored with that, but that's the truth is that in application, the basics work, the basics forever is what works. And, uh, and so that's really where you can progress is your knowledge and why the basics work, but doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to be changing up each day that now I'm on some new diet or now I'm eliminating all these foods or now this new supplement that's gonna save me or, or something. The other thing I think is interesting about that kind of as the reality check angle is how did we get to 2021 and not need this thing, you know, as a human species, like how did we get to 2021 if collagen was saving all of us, you know, maybe it's already existing in some of our foods, maybe it's not as potent as we think, you know, and, and so that's always a good reality check too. Like if you just heard about this today, is it really the thing that's going to save us? Probably not.
Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I like that. And I also think as a society, we were probably doing much better 50, 75 years ago when, you know, all you had to eat was what was around. And mm-hmm. um, now, you know, we've, we have just tons of processing and I'm not sure that people understand like how that there's scientists that are making those cookies and you use the word hyper palatable, mm-hmm. um, just so tasty that like your brain of course wants another one. Like it's, it's, it's tricky stuff mm-hmm. um, for people to really wrap their heads around how, um, just how tough it is to, to stop wanting them. Like, yeah. Totally. Um, and I just wanted to back up a little bit. So one of the third, like, I think the third pillar there is just talking about calories mm-hmm. and, you know, we get the question a lot and I'm sure, um, you do too, is just how, you know, how do people begin to, to figure out what a, an appropriate calorie range is, um, for their body. And I mean, I, we know we can't be specific, but just, you know, where do people begin? Cause I find it's always super, super low, Um, Mm. and we have a hard time convincing people that it, it can be, um, higher when filled with Mm. the correct foods. Mm. Uh, Where do people start? Yeah. I mean, that's, I actually try to avoid that question and answer, uh, with most of my clients, because what happens is you give them a number and then they will shoot directly for that number, even though there's so much variability in it from age to capacity, to sex, male, female, to how much workout volume they have. So, you know, the USDA, for example, will say women on average eat 2000 calories a day or need 2000 calories a day, men on average 2,500. That could be way too high or way too low for people in your gym. You know, your older population might need less, your smaller population body stature might need less, your active people might need a lot more, right? So those are kind of just good general numbers to keep in mind just from like a sanity check. But I actually really dislike giving people's num- people specific numbers. And specifically, even in my masterclass, I don't do that. What we instead do is we observe what you're currently eating. We weigh and measure your current diet as it is without trying to be good, without trying to be different. When we do that observation analysis, we're actually getting all of the variables that are in estimates, we get them precise to you. They're precise to your genetics. They're precise to your age. They're precise to your workout volume. And so when we see, okay, this is how many calories I eat across a week on average, that's how many calories you need to sustain your current weight. And then we can start to make changes based on what you want to do. Do you want to gain mass? Do you want to lose weight? Now we have the baseline that's really specific to you instead of just sort of pulling this number from, you know, a website that has none of the specifics. When when in real time, we have the most precise data that we'll ever have. And that's what you're eating right now. And so that's really what I recommend for people to do. The unfortunate thing is that they would prefer that I tell them a specific number versus going through that activity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so in a perfect world, somebody needs to track everything they're eating for one week to just establish a baseline. Is that, but that, like, is that kind of something you might get somebody to do if they were reaching out to you for help? Yeah, that's the process I use in my masterclass. That's the process I've used with one-on-one clients. My whole thing is if you're not willing to do that, you're really not interested in how many calories to eat because guess what calorie control means? It means weighing and measuring your food. You know, so if you're not going to do it for the first starting week, how can we expect to do it for any length of time to see any results you want? It's not going to happen. Now, here's what, here's the rub. Can someone have caloric control without doing that? Yes, yes, they can. You don't actually have to measure calories to make sure that you're having the right ones. How would you know if you have a proper caloric control? 
you don't have excess weight to lose, performance and health markers are all going in the right directions, you know, um, those would be your indications that you have caloric control. But when you have the people that are like, I've done every diet under the sun and I don't have the results I want, or I don't understand why this diet isn't working for me. Okay. Now we need to get a little bit more specific and exacting then the winging it approach isn't working. So now we got to go through this more methodical approach to really get data on our diet and then make changes that are, um, you know, meaningful, not just sort of, Oh, eat more carbs. Well, what does that mean? 10 grams, 50 grams, (laughs) you know, et cetera. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I love working. I love working with everybody. I, I, I love working with athletes. I love working with, you know, competitive CrossFitters. I find when you have like, let's just say uh, elite athlete, whatever elite athlete means, but they are so dedicated to their craft, almost anything that you say, I feel like they're like, yep, done. Um, The area that I think I'm very passionate about, because I find it's the area that people who need some help to, they've kind of mentioned those things. I've done this diet, I've done this diet. And it's just trying to get them, you know, started on a path where they actually can feel like they're gaining some traction again. And I always find um, personally, I don't know, how, like the tracking thing, I, I, cause I, I love the, the simplicity of it, having data and you can, you can reflect on that um, with them. Do you find tracking sometimes like can be met with what's the right word? Some negativity <laughs> as of, like, I was saying to Jen, I was saying to Jen the other day that, I said, Jen, if, if I played like, you know, I'm like a very, very amateur musician. If I started playing piano like crazy, like three, four hours a day, and I'm like super dedicated to piano, people are like, wow, he's like, he's really dedicated to piano. I, I find as soon as we get, we like cross this line of being like ultra dedicated to health or fitness or nutrition, the word like obsessed will like, will surface. And um, cause I, I like the idea of tracking if it can be met with the right mindset and things. I'm not sure if you feel the same vibe in that area with nutrition. Mm. No, I definitely get pushed back. It's not natural. It's too obsessive. Right. And I'm, you know, it's up to you. I mean, and that this is the double-edged sword. And, and one of the approaches with nutrition, hopefully that comes across is I'm not really here to tell you what to do. You're telling me what you want to do and I'm presenting options. <laughs> and then you decide what you want to do with it. You know, if, if you don't want to track and you're not getting the results that you want from other diets, well, then you can continue to be frustrated for a long period of time or somehow hope that the next diet you try works out in your favor. That's your choice to do it. Or you can get a little bit more dialed and, and dig in. I, I really, really dislike the negativity towards other people who decide to track yeah. the judgment of that. I mean, good for them. Good for them, for that woman who wants to take her nutrition to the next level and get more dialed in. Good for her for wanting to do macros. I mean, it's completely ridiculous to be judging other people based on their own choices. They're making the trade-off to put in the work. Why do you care about what they're doing with it? Um, But I also want to stress that I don't start people with tracking. As you know, I start with the 800 gram challenge and and then progressed adding a protein target because I also know that there's this huge amount of work that most people aren't willing to put in. So it's like, how much work, how much progress can I get with you without requiring all that work? And if we get to the point where we need to do the work or you want to put in the work, let's do it. But let's do what we can before we get there. So I also want to stress the fact that like, I don't start people there because it's a tough road and it's often not a successful road because it is so time intensive. Right. So would your kickoff point for most people be that, that 800 gram challenge? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And even with, 
even with experienced CrossFitters, I mean, I'll take them through, um, in my master class, and we start all everybody with the 800 gram challenge. We do a little bit more detail with it, but yeah, that's step one because it has so many far reaching effects for not just weight, but health and performance. And I'll find experienced nutrition people all the time that are like, oh my gosh, I, I was not consistent with this, you know? So I haven't found a ton of people are, I don't want to say above it, even me, I use it. You know, I'm, I'm like 90% consistent with it over like 90, 92% consistent with it. But yeah, I have days that I'm not hitting it either, right? So I find that I just start everyone there. And uh, if some people can progress more quickly, great. But but that's sort of the lead in. It's kind of to get a little bit of consistency and motivation going. And then hopefully with that, we can then make it more difficult if we need to. Well, I think with every, with everything, you know, you do it for a certain amount of time and then your brain just kind of tells you, yeah, like, you know how to do this, you know, how you're doing it you're doing it. And then you track all of a sudden for like another day or, or two just randomly. And you realize, whoa, like I've, <laughs> I've really gotten off track. You know, my quantities aren't what I thought, or, um, like, I know we've, we've heard that a lot and we've experienced that as well. You, you get going and then your brain just kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say shuts off, but you just, well, you're like, yeah, I eat fruits yeah, and vegetables. I, yeah, I know how to do this. And I've done it consistently. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're not being super consistent. So yeah, I totally get that. And I love, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like reverse tracking. Cause when I brought it up with people, I'm like, like, understand this is like weighing, but you're trying to like get more. You're trying to right. like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I find it's a nice, it is a super cool, like refreshing spin on tracking or weighing your food because like when someone's like oh I, I have a scale for my food like yeah but like but like more weight like more. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it kind of flips the script on dieting it, yeah it's the additions without restrictions and you know I kind of had that idea when I was doing it or when I came up with the idea but to be honest I, I wasn't quite expecting all of the positive feedback on people either who have had eating disorders or disordered eating right. or just the mental aspect of it like I knew that was part of it but that's probably like the third most common, you know, response people are, oh my gosh, it's so mentally freeing. You know, it's such a different quote diet approach. So, so yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that, that people enjoy that aspect. And uh, it definitely is a little bit different than most diets. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just, we chatted about how people like to overcomplicate and you had this awesome post that was like, you know, new newsflash, like woman is still alive after oh. <laughs> two bananas in the same day. And it, it is so true because we start to feel like, Oh, it could be too much fruit. It could be too much this. And, um, that, that challenge is just like, if you want it to be bananas, just make it bananas, you know, make I'm not bananas. recommending to eat bananas every day, all day, but it's okay. It's fruit and veggies. <laughs> yeah. I, I did a post also about the 800 gram challenge that was like, you can do it in all fruit. And, and that caused an uprise, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're recommending that. And in terms of calories and nutrients, uh, a lot of people would be better off health-wise if that's what they did. A lot of people, there's not a concern about doing it. Now, is it the most optimal? No, because by, by making our choices more diverse, we're going to get more vitamins and minerals, more different fiber types in there, different types of phytochemicals for sure. So it's not like I'm going to push everybody to doing like the 800 mango challenge, you know? <laughs> um, but it's like, that can be a huge improvement in so many diets that are out there. And this idea that fruit is the problem. I mean, it just needs to end. Yeah. And I like the big picture, you know, and I think trying to save the world is probably not what we're trying to do, mm -hmm. even though I think we're all trying to uh, chip in the best we can. 
your, your numbers, I think you said on your last podcast as well, 70% of people mm-hmm. are obese or overweight. I think in Canada, we're the same, or mm-hmm. I think we could be worse. Um, I was telling Jen when I was in university, which was like two years ago. No, it was like 10 years ago. Um, there was a, there was a presenter there. And, and the, the one thing he said that stuck out the most was there was a prediction that in 20 years, Canada's healthcare is going to be completely bankrupt from type mm-hmm. two diabetes. Correct. Someone had recently heard that in about 10 years and I went, wow, 10 years ago, I heard that it was 20. I'm like, it, it's, it's very, um, when you hear 20 years in the future, um, I'm like a 23 year old kid. I'm like yeah, 20 years, 20 years. And I'm like, Oh geez, now we're 10 years away. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I find this big picture stuff is actually kind of scary if I'm being honest, because when you get questions about bananas or potatoes, or I'm like, guys, like we're, we're, we're getting close to 80% overweight or obese. Um, you know, I, I can link, link you to a million things. I can tell you a million times, we got to stop worrying about such small things. Um, and I, I think that's why we, we've loved your 800 gram challenge from the start. We've loved your social media. Cause I, every time I see a post, like I just, we think it's so simple. Like someone is going to do this. Someone is going to try and realize how simple it actually is. Mm-hmm. And if that one person does it, maybe they can share it. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of takes on from there because it is, it is scary. And we always talk about weight loss, but we try to explain, like, we're not talking about weight loss in terms of just aesthetics. Like it, mm-hmm. it there's so many markers associated with health that mm-hmm. come with being at an appropriate body weight. Um, so we, you know, we try not to focus on those numbers, but yeah, it's, I guess, you know, that was kind of one of the things too, that we, we wanted to ask, you know, when mm-hmm. we talk about progress with people through the 800 gram challenge and through any small steps that they would even start, like, what do you tell, you know, clients about progress and what they should expect or what, um, things to look for other than just, you know, maybe numbers on a scale. Mm. Yeah. Um, the scale is good. It's not perfect. Um, you know, body composition changes aren't always well reflected on the scale. So I, I like this scale cause it's easy for people to use. So I will let them use it if they're interested. I also just like the reflection in the mirror or how your clothes fit. I also like performance indicators. You know, if you've been new to CrossFit and you're doing a lot more lifting, like, and now you have a better back squat, which is actually more what I heard about the 800 gram challenge than weight loss out of the gates, partially because of just my traction in the CrossFit community. But um, anything really that's weight, health or performance related. And, and I try to make it something that's useful for them in the sense of if, if they're doing this more for health, it's like, okay, well, how long does it take you to do your run around the neighborhood? Or how is it, you know, playing with the kids? And, and those can be useful enough metrics. People know enough if they're seeing some progress with that. And, and that's just what I encourage people to do is, is, you know, kind of pick a metric that's valuable to them. Know maybe there's some limitations of it so they don't get too wrapped around the axle about the scale and then see what happens when they really truly implement this in a cons- consistent way. Yeah, I really like that. And um, I think one of the the biggest things that has, I feel like we're getting more traction, but Hmm. just with, with muscle and nutrition, the two shovels, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I just love how you explain you know, kind of the benefits of, of having, of being stronger and Mm. how that relates to 
your nutrition. Um, mm-hmm. like if you really choose never to lift weights and not build any muscle, I mean, that's your choice, but kind of here's what it means. And I would love to just for you mm-hmm. to give your take on that, um, for every, anyone that hasn't heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of control over our outcomes Our yes, sleep and stress. And I, I like those and I include them in the consistency project, but for the most part, it's diet and exercise, diet and exercise. So then it comes down to what are we doing with diet and exercise to optimize that for our goals. And the less somebody wants to use either of those shovels, the more the other one has to be really dialed tight. Um, and so if somebody's like, I don't really want to weight lift and I don't want to, you know, increase my lean mass. Okay. Well now your diet's going to have to get that more exacting and that more consistent. You don't, you have even less flexibility. Um, but, but yeah, lean mass is one of the ways that we can increase our resting metabolic rate, as well as increase how many calories we burn with every workout. Now, when I say that, you know, it's not like you're going to start CrossFit and then in three months, you're now get like 2000 extra calories. It's, it's a slow increase that slowly adds and potentially compounds over time. Although with age, we'll start to come down at a certain point, but it, it does start to add some flexibility to the diet a little bit by way of that. Here's the thing though: we have no other option. We have no other option. The only factor that we can really control in how many calories we need is how much muscle mass we have and how active we are, right? So we're going to have to play those levers. We can't change our sex. We can't change our age. We can't change our genetics, right? For the most part, like we're, these are the factors that we can control. And so that's what we can do to control, to allow some more flexibility in our diet or to help us achieve our outcomes more quickly. Yeah. And I, I think we're, we're very passionate about trying to share that message without coming across as like, CrossFit is the only way we've, we've just, we've found with us and with other people that they're perhaps the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit is that when you are this active and you build up this muscle, you, you get a little bit more freedom. Um, the, the trend seems to be that we will cardio ourselves to death, um, more cardio, more running longer, 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 and just keep lowering our calories. And I, I, I find if, you know, I, I try not to, again, um, speak negatively about if, if that's what somebody wants to do. I just often wonder, um, I think, I feel there could be a better way. I, I sometimes worry that this, you know, in, just all, always doing cardio um, and, and lowering the calorie method is perhaps just not getting them to where they ultimately want to be. It's, it's hard to explain to people that, if you start lifting weights, you're not going to look like Tia Toomey <laughs> next week. And there's nothing wrong with looking like Tia Toomey, but I right. think people get thrown off thinking like, yeah, we hear, you know, like they don't want to get too bulky. They just want to get toned. Um, the best part about that. I mean, if only it was so easy, yes. but yeah. <laughs> the part I love about that is there's such a long runway. I mean, you will, you're going to see it coming guys. <laughs> like yeah. you're going to see. It's not like you're going to go to bed and tomorrow, you now have too much muscle. And you don't know what to do with it. It's, you're going to see yeah. it coming a mile away. <laughs> Said oh, no man. one with muscle ever. <laughs> right. 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 And that's, that so. was the other thing I was saying is that anybody, let's just say, perhaps you could get as fit if it was possible to get as fit as Tia Toomey. Nobody on that quest actually ever sent like, is not like, Oh, right. Like they're right. so proud and so excited to go down that path. Um, I, I find it a very, I find what people can find the right balance between CrossFit performance and building muscle and 
you know, working on their conditioning and their nutrition, it's, it's, it's a lot of joy and it's a lot of fulfillment and happiness. And I guess that's, um, I think this, yeah, that's definitely the message we want to share. I, I think the, the world of, um, you know, of being healthier, more fit. I, I don't think it should be, um, like this dark time of like, you know, trudging away on a treadmill for hours by yourself. Like I, I think there, there is a path for nutritional freedom or it being so simple as eating more fruits and vegetables and yeah, probably working out and building some muscle. I, I found, I have found when working with those types of people, they, they seem to really enjoy it. And I, I yeah. think if you're really enjoying it, probably the adherence rate is going to be super high. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple interesting points there. I mean, obviously I love CrossFit. I still do CrossFit. I think it's wildly effective. I think it's more effective than other fitness paradigms. You also can be very healthy and not do it. Yeah. Um, and so there is a little bit of what you said. It's, it's like you kind of, if they don't want to do it, if they're happy doing what they're doing, fine, fine enough. I'm not trying to you know sell you on this. It's only when okay, I don't have the results I want. What are the levers I can pull to change the results I want? Okay, well, now let's look at something that's gonna increase your lean mass a little bit more and this is what we can do and, and let's try to go about it that way. And then I also think, you know, CrossFit has many different interpretations and, you know, CrossFit originally was always the idea of, and of course my nutrition methodology is heavily influenced by CrossFit. The original CrossFit was always minimum effective dose. What's yeah. the least amount of training I can do to get the results that I want? Yes. You know, and that's some of the beauty of it. It wasn't meant to be that you do CrossFit and then you become the Olympic, you know, 800 meter track athlete. No, you can't do that. You have to do a lot more training, but for general population, it was sort of like, come in, work hard, get some results in a lot of different areas and be done with it. And so I think sometimes too, there's been a lot of drudgery and, and even CrossFit interpretations where people are like, well, now I need to go do three more sessions today. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, that's not it either. Like for Gen Pop, it's like, come on in, work hard, work on different things, do it for a long period of time, combined with some really basic nutrition, you're going to see some tremendous results. Yeah. I love, I love the term minimum effective dose. I feel like mm. I've been trying to explain that for a long time in that, uh, like I'm in the, like in a class, I'm in a class five days a week. I've been doing that for a long, long time, but I, I explain to people, I, there's no extra cardio. There's no extra weightlifting. Um, I've come, I've still com- getting stronger. Yeah. I've, uh, not to toot my own horn on this podcast, but we used to compete in regionals when they were still around. And it was, it it just, it can be very simple and not that time consuming. Um, And I think, you know, linking it back to nutrition, I also think that has to be some connection between, you know, the minimum effective dose in that if your nutrition is very, um, if what you're trying to do is very complicated or, causing you all this stress, I find, I I just don't know how it's going to stick with you in the long term. And I think, again, going all the way back to the beginning of this episode, the the simplicity of getting 800 grams of fruits and vegetables, weighing your fruits and vegetables and and playing this game to get to 800 plus um, is just beautiful. And I, and I wish, um, I wish that could sink in more to people. This is kind of linking me to my my big ultimate question um, for this one is that in our eyes, and maybe it's because we've been in CrossFit for so long and we've been engulfed in this world and you've been in it for a long time too. In our eyes, it is very simple. Um, it's not super easy, 
But it is quite simple. And I think everybody probably listening to this podcast or following you or hanging out with us, I think they would agree that nutrition is important. If it's super important and super simple, um, why are we trending in the wrong direction? That is, you know, I, I'm always trying to solve that one. Yeah. Yeah, I could go. Honestly, that, that, is a, that is a big, heavy question. I just thought many different ways. I think there's a couple interesting things. I actually think about this all the time. You know, people are living to their mid 70s with multiple comorbidities. So modern medicine and modern life have been wildly effective. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes I wonder how much do we need to worry about it? And this is why as much as I love CrossFit, like we don't need to all look like Rich Froning to have high quality of life. Right. Like our, our life just doesn't demand this level of athleticism that CrossFit can push you to. So sometimes I think that we worry about achieving a standard that when like modern life and modern medicine can ultimately prolong it for many of us past, past an age that would maybe otherwise be there. So sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe we don't need to worry about it as much given right. our new, new constraints. But to go more in probably the direction that you were expecting, I, I don't think there's a ton of incentive for it, and partially because of modern life and modern yeah. medicine. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes think about, I think the best way to get buy-in from people is somehow to incentivize good behavior. And I don't have the answer for that um, because there's so much that gets wrapped up into food choices and what that means to us and our and even mental health issues start to get into nutrition. But somehow we need to flip the script to incentivize good behavior. And I always like to use the example of smoking and even seatbelts. How, how did we get buy-in for both of those? Now, typically it's laws, <laughs> but like that's how we dramatically cut back on smoking. Smoking was no longer allowed, right? Seatbelts, I grew up without having to wear seatbelts all the time. And now, I mean, you have to wear different seats through the age of, I don't know, 10 or something, yeah. right? Different, different <laughs> sizes as you grow older. We made huge progress on two things that in the moment of those behaviors, neither of them are inherently risky, right? Riding around the block without your seatbelt or smoking once, you don't see that that's going to be a problem. It only happens over time and lots of times. And so I sort of think about nutrition the same way. What do we, how do we have to incentivize the good behavior? I don't know if it's more laws. I don't know if it's health insurance. I don't have the answer there, but I think we have to make that proposition more um, exciting for people and interesting. Yeah, that's a very cool point. Yeah. Because for some reason, yeah, for some reason, it is just way more exciting to perhaps not eat fruits and vegetables. And, <laughs> and that's um, probably that's what we are trying to work on with people because um, I guess if it was that easy, then everybody would just be doing it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. trendy or it's not the sexy thing to. Yeah say that you're eating <laughs> of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I mean, we're also fighting, you know, there's all of this push for big data and even like genomic stuff and personalized nutrition. And, you know, it, when you tell people you're just going to eat fruits and vegetables, it, it appears as though you're not really well-researched or it appears as though you're not scientific enough and you're not up on the cutting edge stuff. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of holes in a lot of those ideas that you're going to get your DNA test and it's going to tell you exactly what to eat. Those are, those are on shaky grounds, but 
you know, it doesn't have that air of, wow, you're so sophisticated. Wow. You're so in the know, you're telling me something that my grandmother did, you know? So it's also that uphill battle. Not only is it not as fun as maybe eating chocolate cake, but you don't appear as, um, you know, scientifically in the know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Cutting edge. Cutting edge. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, uh, yeah. (laughs) When they have these big nutrition questions and they're that simple, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, like, I know that stuff. I'm like, well, well, let's do that stuff. Like that is actually, <laughs> it is, it is perhaps that simple that we need to, um, yeah, really, really yeah. work on that stuff. Um, we're going to flip the switch a little bit here. Um, Uh-oh. and well, not totally, but, <laughs> uh, just from a business owner point of view. So you, I mean, your, your Instagram mm-hmm. game is just off the charts. We oh, thank you. look forward to them all the time. Um, but we know from running a business and making, like you said, creating content, having, um, you know, podcasts and having content for that, you know, doing these podcasts with random people in Brandon, Manitoba. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you balance that? How do you balance Mm -hmm. the, the social media, um, just the demands of, of everything and being current and having, you know, new things to post every day? Like, how do you, um, yeah. And not scroll for hours on Instagram after you make the post. (laughs) Well, I've certainly spent enough time on Instagram. I mean, part of it is, you know, interacting with people. They are your customers. They are the people that are interested in following you or listening to you. So there's a lot of time that goes into just interacting with the community. Um, You know, I hear all these people that have these amazing schedules of where they like block out content days and blah. (laughs) I wish it was was that way for me. It's all over the map. I I would say 80% of the time I'm coming up with a post that morning. I always have a running list of ideas. It's sort of what feels like I can pull together. Have I gone grocery shopping to take the picture of that certain item? Um, that type of stuff. You know, to be honest, a lot of it just comes from questions though. A lot of it is just how can I explain that now in a graphic way? Um, so I would say 90% of my content comes from just questions or things that I wondered about at a certain time. And yeah, I don't have any magic to it. It's, it's kind of just catch as catch can and oh shoot, now I need to work on podcasts and oh shoot, now I need to upgrade this product and oh shoot, I don't have a post for tomorrow. It makes me feel better. (laughs) Instead of constantly feeling off track, maybe we're, we're not so off track. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I love the idea. I mean, I've heard this, you know, sit down for eight hours and do all of your Instagram posts for next month. And I'm like, what I've sat down and not had a single idea come to mind. And sometimes it's when I'm walking the aisles at target, I'm like, that's it, you know? So for me, in terms of the creativity, it doesn't happen in these beautifully orchestrated blocks on my calendar, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't know. So it happens as it fits in during the day. Yeah. I like real life. For everybody listening, how do you like them to connect with you? Yeah. Anywhere. Um, optimize me nutrition on Instagram and Facebook. That's also the web address. And then my podcast is the consistency project. Nice. Yeah, definitely get to our Instagram page. Yeah. Optimize me website. nutrition guys. I feel like it's nutrition and entertainment um, <laughs> because I, I do enjoy the humor. And I also find this is just a, a straight up compliment to you. You do a really good job of speaking your message without putting down other messages, mm. um, which I, I, this has been a common thing in CrossFit or anywhere. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why the, you know, 
the people helping people are arguing with each other. I think everybody has a good message to share, even if it's, if it differs ever so slightly. So um, kudos to you and Patrick and your team of just like, yeah, I don't know. Just like, I think you've got a really strong message. I love nutrition with reality check, but it's also just, this is what we do. And it, it, and it appears like you're just, you're also just good with what other people are doing. Mm. Well, thank you. Um, it can be hard because you get questions about, well, what about so-and-so's opinion? And you're like, well, how am I going to answer that without talking about so-and-so? Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, there are plenty of diets out there that I do not agree with on a physiological level, but ultimately they help people eating more whole foods. So it's just sort yeah. of like, well, what game are we trying to play here? So yeah, that's true. Last, last question. question. All right. Last uh -oh. question is just, um, if you could give somebody one tip or everybody mm. one tip to live a stronger, healthier, happier life. Mm. One, huh? It's tricky when it's one. <laughs> is it fruits and vegetables? Um, my, my, my immediate go-to might be fruits and vegetables, but probably more kind of conceptually of who I am is they probably already know. They probably already know. I think people already know what's limiting them in their diet, in their stress, in their sleep, in their exercise. They already know what their hangup is. They've been living in their bodies for that many years. What's the thing that you can't get right? Work on it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Love it. A really good self-reflection. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Like people always want, not always, often ask for my opinion about nutrition. What should they do? And it's like, well, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to know way better than I am. You know, yeah. you're going to know way better. You're going to know what you, when you tend to have the snack foods or if you're not working hard in your exercise or if you aren't getting regular sleep, you're going to know, not me. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. Thank you again so much. I hope you enjoyed it uh, as much as we did. This was a real treat for us. And um, yeah, we just wish you all the best. And um, yeah. We'll be following. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Thank Bye. you guys for joining us. Uh, that was episode 33 and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you everybody for listening to another episode. We really appreciate your support and hope to have you back again soon. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Ted Good Music and the band Heat for allowing us to use their music. Until next time, let's keep rewriting our story and redefining who we are.